Howdy, yeah. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, it's been a little while. You guys excited? Well, wait till I'm done, so. All right, so we're going to be looking in uh, Psalm chapter 23 today. If you don't know where Psalms is, uh, just like right in the middle of your Bible, just open that bad boy up. If you don't have a Bible, I'm sure we have one that we can get for you. Uh, it's one of those things as a pastor, it seems like that's the number one gift that people give to you, like they don't think you have one. <laughs> so it's kind of a, you know, maybe a backhanded compliment, like here's your Bible, maybe you should read it. So we're going to be in Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, I had to memorize this when I was a kid. Anybody else had to? Yeah, my, my grandma, I'll tell this story a bunch of times. My grandma used to bribe me with candy, and as you can see, it worked. So it worked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, we, yeah, I hear someone opening up a, a soda. Good job, nice. Uh, I had my energy drink before service started, so, so I wouldn't do it now. So it's, it's, it's not what we think it is, though. I, I mean, like every time that, that, I, that, I, uh, that I read this passage, there's this image that comes to mind of, of who Jesus is, right? Uh, anybody, I, I saw one, it's, it's over in the office, I saw it the other day. Uh, it's this picture of Jesus, and he's like, you know, he's, he's standing there, and he is, uh, he's got this perfect combed, wavy brown hair, right? And it's flowing, his locks are just flowing down over his shoulder, and it looks like he's been using, uh, you know, some sort of expensive hair product, and, and he's got this perfectly manicured beard, and it looks like he spends two to three hours a day just grooming himself. He just has this perfect look about him. Uh, in the picture, Jesus also has this perfect jawline, right? And he's this, you know, he's got these beautiful brown eyes. And there doesn't seem to be a single ounce of dirt or muck on him. And underneath the picture usually says something like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so for a lot of us, when we picture Jesus as our shepherd, this is the image that we think. And every time I see this picture in reference to Psalm 23, it kind of makes me a little sick, right? And the reason it makes me sick is because the person in that picture is not a shepherd, right? Yeah, it's an Instagram model. Maybe the image that we think about the most about Jesus, but it's the wrong picture of who Jesus is. Jesus didn't have manicured fingernails. He didn't have a perfect jawline, and he didn't spend hours a day grooming himself. Also, this might be a little controversial, but he wasn't white. Uh, just saying. I'm sure the, the same people who produced this image of Jesus also produced the one where Jesus is standing in the field holding the baby lamb. Have we seen this one? 
yeah, there's all these perfectly white sheep around him, and there's Jesus. He's holding this baby lamb, and it's so, so tender. And again, his white clothes, his white linen clothes are just perfect, not a spot of dirt on them. It really looks like he had someone to come out and just take his picture so that he could put it on his Instagram. And when we see this, like, some, like to some people say, oh, this psalm brings me comfort when I think about that picture, when I think about Jesus. But it doesn't bring me any comfort at all. Because let's, let's be real, Jesus, as our shepherd, um, he, he probably, most assuredly, would not look like, uh, you know, a hippie, pacifist, clean-clothed Jesus. Anybody ever seen a shepherd work in the field with perfect white linens on? <laughs> Any of you all ever own sheep? How clean are they? So if you're going to pick one up, what happens? You get dirty. So someone that's perfectly in perfect white, clean clothes, man, that, that really is a depiction of someone that doesn't spend any time with their sheep. If a shepherd is perfectly clean all the time, they don't, they're not a shepherd. They don't spend any time with their sheep. They're too clean, too weak, too scared to defend their flock. And if you ask me, which no one did, uh, the pictures of these Jesus, he looks like a man who hasn't worked an honest day work in his whole life. And yet when we think about Psalm 23, that's the Jesus that we think about. That's the Psalm that we think about. So we have to get that image out of our heads. That's not what Jesus as our shepherd looks like. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. We don't picture Instagram Jesus holding a baby lamb without a spot of mud on him. When the passage says, the Lord is my shepherd, it's describing a God who is right there with us in the hard times, in the mud, who's dirty right alongside of us, defending us against wolves, bears, and lions. Oh my I don't want this picture of Jesus as this perfect, spotless, you know, white, you know, looking Jesus. I want the real one, the defender, the protector, the healer, the leader. And I want you to know that Jesus has never had a mani-pedi, and he doesn't have a hairstylist. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't, but I want you to know the picture of Jesus that you should have in your head is, is rugged and manly. Someone who is holding uh, tools that he can use to defend his sheep. The Lord is a perfect shepherd, not dressed in perfect white linens, but likely Carhartts or overalls, maybe with a large cloak or jacket on. I want you to picture the Lord as a real shepherd, not an Instagram model pretending to be one. So when the psalmist David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he knew what shepherding was all about. Because David's history, David was a shepherd before he was a king, right? David is the one that wrote this psalm. And if you didn't know that the timeline when he wrote Psalm 23, his son had just recently passed away. But he knew what a shepherd was. He knew what a shepherd did. And David loved his sheep. When he was a shepherd, he defended them against ferocious animals and led them to the best fields and the calmest streams because he understood that a sheep is owned by his shepherd. A sheep is dependent upon the shepherd. 
There's an intimate relationship with the sheep because their livelihood is your livelihood. The whole purpose of being a shepherd is that they, you get something from them and they get something from you. It's a symbiotic relationship. The Lord is my shepherd, meaning that I am owned by him. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus, in that passage, he's talking about the difference between a real shepherd and a paid hand. He says, a real shepherd knows his sheep, and they know him. Do we know the Lord as well as he knows us? You see, when we, when we acknowledge our role as a sheep, we acknowledge that we are owned by him, we follow him. We know that he provides all of our needs, and therefore we have no wants. When your shepherd is the king of the universe, all your needs are met. Amen? Again, I'll say that again. When your shepherd is the king of the universe, all your needs are met. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. The safest place for a sheep to be is in a pasture. Because when you get close to the tree line, the predators can stalk, kill, and steal sheep without the shepherd being able to protect them, right? A green pasture is the perfect place for a sheep to be, peaceful, full of food, amen, safe. It's like lying down on a hammock with a bowl of never-ending bacon, right? That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. The only part that uh, we might disagree with is the fact that our shepherd is making us lie down. He makes me lie down. I, this is a confession time. I, I can be a workaholic. I can, I can put in 70, 80-hour weeks and just go and go and go, and I can just serve and help and, and do all the things, and then I look around and I'm just exhausted. I have a hard time resting. I think about all the housework that needs to be done, all the people that don't know Jesus, all the disc golf I haven't played, <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a hard time sitting and resting. My wife can attest to the fact that when we're on vacation, the last thing that I want to do is sit in a room, right? I don't, I want to go. Get me out of here. Let's go do something, right? I want to go on hikes. I want to catch a marlin. I want to play volleyball. I want to do something. So I understand this well when the psalmist lets us know that the Lord makes us lie down. Because for some of us, we don't do it on our own. Sometimes the Lord has to come into our lives and just tell us to slow down. Sometimes the Lord has to make us rest in a safe place. We don't have to do it all. We only have to do our part. I don't have to wear every hat at all times just the one the Lord has called me to wear. Um, and this is kind of a, a tangent, a, a sidebar, but that's why uh, Jesus gives every follower of him a different gift. Some of us think that we, we see these needs that, that need to be met, and we think that we have to fill them. Somebody has to come in. Somebody has to do it, and it's going to be me, and I'm going to put on that hat, and I'm just going to do it. But the reality is, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been baptized into his kingdom, you have a gift. You have a gift to use, and it's a gift to use to bless the church and to bless your community. 
And we all have a different one because we all have a different role to play, a different thing to do. If we all had to do everything, none of us would ever rest. But if we can all live into that, that uh, gift that the Lord has given us, then we can all rest a little more. Does that make sense? When we use the tools that God has given us, the gifts, we can all rest a little more. We need every person to use their gift because that's what we're made to do. To my workaholics who have a hard time resting, I hear you. I do. I hear you. And that's why the Lord makes us lie down. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, I probably should have brought this up earlier, uh, but when David likens us to sheep, um, it's not a compliment. You don't see a lot of sheep doctors, right? Sheep are dumb, D-U-M, dumb, right? Yeah. They're not known for being uh, the highest, uh, the Mensa scale. They, they eat stuff they shouldn't eat, right? They go places they shouldn't go. They try to drink out of water sources they shouldn't drink out of. It's a lot of work to take care of sheep. It's like taking care of toddlers, right? Oh, here's a power outlet. I wonder if I can fit my tongue in there. It's like, that's sheep. That's, that's us. That's, that's who we are likened to. Perhaps the dumbest thing that sheep do is uh, they will drink from any water source nearby. If they're thirsty, they'll find a water source and they will drink. So there's a waterfall. I'll drink from that. There's a raging river. I'll drink from that because sheep are dumb and we are sheep. Sheep are covered in wool and their wool gets really heavy when it gets wet. So what happens? There's this fast-moving water, and a sheep comes to drink out of it, and he sticks his whole head in there, and then that head gets really heavy because it's covered in wool, and so the sheep goes in the river, and then it's going for a swim it didn't want to go for, and then it makes a lot of noise until the shepherd comes and uses its crook, right, the shepherd's staff, to get it out of the water, pull it to dry land. That's us. We're really bright sometimes, aren't we? The Lord has to bring us to places where it's safe to drink because we usually put our whole head in and we get swept away to places we weren't led to. And I don't know what this is in your life, but we all have something that we thought we could control. But one sip and we're swept away. For some of you... It was a man or a woman. Even though you were married to someone else, you convinced yourself it was just a harmless conversation. Just a sip. It's fine. But that conversation turned to phone calls in the middle of the night, private coffee dates, dinners, weekends, and then you got swept up. For some of us in the room, it's alcohol or drugs. And, and when it began, it was... It was one beer, one sip, and you were fine. But one turned to 10, and 10 turned to 20, and now you can't take a sip without getting swept away. It's different for all of us, though, isn't it? It could be gossip or pornography or unforgiveness. We get swept up. But our shepherd has a crook, and that staff with a hook on the end of it is, is what we need as his sheep. When we get swept up in whatever danger we should have avoided, he pulls us back to dry land, and then he leads me beside still waters, where I'm saved from myself, 
and from my own sin. And I love it. The Hebrew word here for still, leads me beside still waters, is manucha or manuka, which means a place of peace, of tranquility, comfort, a quiet resting place, devoid of toddlers. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Right. Amen. Right. I've, I've been working in full-time ministry since 2010. Uh, before that, uh, I have been leading worship and running youth groups and all that sorts of stuff since 1999. Uh, you can do the math. I was born in 87. So it's been a while. Uh, I have worked under amazing men and women of God who served God with glad and sin- sincere hearts and who fervently fought uh, for the lost and sought to seek and save them. Uh, and I have been immensely blessed that way to learn underneath these people, just amazing men and women of God. Um, but when I stepped down from my previous ministry uh, in Roseburg, uh, January 2020, I was ready to be done with ministry because I had not found myself working uh, underneath a leader who was all of those wonderful things. I was betrayed. I was wrongfully hurt. I was wounded. And I didn't want to deal with it anymore. So I started doing contracting work to be useful and help pay our bills. And Bob Wood, some of you may know him, uh, he had heard that I wasn't serving anywhere. And he reached out to me and, and I, I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for anything. I'm ready to be done. Our family and I were so hurt that I just, you know, I'll just do this contracting thing. And, and he, had, he had really one question for me, which is, how does your soul, how do you feel about doing contracting work forever? And I was like, you know, I, I don't care about that right now. I just need to, to rest. And, and he was like, you know, I know you need to rest. But Sherry and I, we're going to nurse you and, and Catherine back to health, and we're going to get you back into ministry. And so I was like, okay. Okay, we can make that happen. Some of you have deep hurts. So do I. Maybe even, a, maybe even you, you might right now still have a couple knives that are in your back that you haven't had the time to take out yet. People that you thought would love you and betrayed you. This church has some scars, but God restores our souls. Resting in the arms of our Heavenly Father restores our soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not just a cool phrase that some people get tattooed on their arms, or right? It's a way of life. It's a way of life. Death is coming for us all, and it's not to be feared. I know it's a weird thing for me to say. I know it's, it's very odd, uh, because it seems like the whole rest of the world is just terrified of, of death, this terrible, looming thing. I have to get all this in place, and I have to do all this before I die. And David, who knew the constant fear of death well, he understood what this meant. Again, he's writing this psalm right after his son has died. He knew death well. I will fear no evil. I will not fear death because I know that the Lord is with me. Jesus made several I am statements in the New Testament. 
You know, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. But my favorite I am statement comes out of Matthew 28, verse 20. In this passage, Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven, right? He's, he's, he's risen from the dead. He's talking to his disciples, and he's giving them their orders, right? Go into all the world. Teach them to obey all the things I have commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all the nations. And then in verse 20, he has my favorite I am statement in the entire Bible, which he says, I am with you always. Right? Every time that Jesus is describing his identity, right? If I say, I am tall, I am large, I am a fisherman, I am a husband, I am all these things. And one of Jesus' attributes that we need to remember, that the psalmist is helping us to remember, is that I am with you. Even when you don't feel it. There have been seasons in my life where I just felt like I couldn't feel Jesus' presence. I couldn't feel the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't say, I am with you when you feel like it. He says, I am with you always. We do not believe in and serve a God who is far off and distant, uncaring, unkind, underwhelming, but a God who is a shepherd who is with us. Amen? COVID sometimes has felt like this valley of shadow of death for a lot of us. We have lost loved ones. We have suffered. We have seen others suffer. We felt the pain of isolation, right? We call it quarantine, but it's isolation. No one to talk to, to hug, to hold their hand. At the beginning of the, the pandemic, a, a dear friend of mine was dying in the hospital, and I couldn't go see him. And his wife couldn't go see him. So we stood outside the hospital while his wife of, of 30 years, she wept, and I wept alongside of her. And I wasn't hurt that my friend Freddie was dying because I knew where Freddie was going. He was a devout follower of Jesus. He knew Scripture. He loved people. And he loved the Lord. I knew where he was going. And I wasn't hurt because of that. I was hurt because he was alone. After the Lord created the universe, the sun and the moon and all the living things, he declared all of it good. Right? This is good. The light is good. All of this is good. What was the first thing that he said wasn't good? Be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. What the Lord is telling us is that even in our darkest moments when we feel so isolated and alone, He is with us. Always. The Lord of the universe is with us and we get to be with Him forever. In verse 5, uh, there's a shift from the Lord being our shepherd to the Lord being our host. Right? It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And I love this imagery in verse 5. Right? I'm just imagining there's this, you know, these armies surrounding uh, David. Right? This is, he's writing, and he's had this happen where he's literally surrounded by enemies. There's people all over, and in the midst of that chaos... 
right? You can almost hear the, the enemies that have surrounded him. It says the Lord prepares a table for him. In the middle of, of all this insanity that's going on all around him, with people who mean to do us harm, the Lord prepares a table for us. The Lord makes us lasagna and asks us to sit down and rest. It was, uh, it was tradition uh, that a good host in Jewish culture would anoint uh, the, head, uh, the people that would enter into their homes. They would anoint their head with oil, meaning that they would take their, their alabaster vial or whatever oil they had uh, as a blessing to the person that, that came in to enter. Uh, but when I come and visit your house, please don't put oil on my head. Just, Yeah. You could put a Diet Coke in my hand, but don't put oil in my head. It was a token of blessing and gratitude. The Lord is such a gracious host uh, in the midst of chaos that He blesses us with an abundance, right? His cup overflows. Our cup overflows. When the Lord is your host, you will find joy in every circumstance. And I, and I say that because I feel like there's this dangerous understanding, this dangerous connotation that no matter what's happening in your life, that you need to be happy. That's not what joy means. Joy doesn't mean happy. Now, oftentimes that's how we see people who are full of joy. They are happy. But what we find in Scripture, right, we're supposed to model our lives after Jesus. Jesus was not happy all the time. When Jesus was standing over Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, he wept knowing that the people would not follow him. When he found out that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded, he tried to go away to be by himself to grieve. And the crowd followed him, and so he healed all of them (laughs) before he could go away and be by himself and grieve. The night before Jesus was betrayed, he was sweating blood because he knew the cross was before him. He wasn't happy all the time, but he was always full of joy. Joy simply means that whatever circumstance that is going on in your life, you are full of love and life. And you know these people. When people come and help you and, and you're like, man, isn't their husband in the, in the hospital right now? How could they have so much love and life to give? You know these people, and I want to be one of those people. Whatever the Lord has given us, He's given it to us in abundance. And we're blessed that our cup overfills. He goes on to say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long? Forever. forever. Like how long does it take my kids to get dressed? Forever. That's right, forever. It's a really long time. But he says, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can anyone honestly describe their life that way? You know, my life, like goodness and mercy, has been this cloud that has just followed me and just rained down on my life. Just goodness and mercy. Again, David is writing this psalm right after his son has died. Who could say that? My son just died, and I say, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He's not talking about, again, he's not talking about a circumstance of that the Lord is just going to take all the bad stuff out and, and, and put good stuff in his life. The prosperity gospel is not a real gospel. It doesn't matter how hard you pray or, or what you do, bad stuff will happen to you. And you have two options, which is to blame God or accept your circumstance and ask God for help. That's it. Those are your only two options that you have or try to deny that he even exists anyways. 
But when he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, he's talking about a mindset. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall be followed, not by death, but by goodness and mercy. When the Lord is your shepherd, he's always watching over you. He's with you. He's always nearby. He is goodness and mercy. One of the things that I find really interesting is that Psalm 23 comes after Psalm 22, right? Good. We got some math geniuses out there. Thankful. The ones that are awake, at least. So uh, in Psalm 22, David writes this. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. That's the same guy that writes Psalm 23. Does that sound like a guy that goodness and mercy is following him every day? Does that sound like a guy who's found his rest in his father who is his shepherd? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, y'all, the reality is is that the psalmist, whoever, because there's several different writers in the book of Psalms, a lot of them are King David. He's, He's writing down his emotions. For some of us, we were taught that whatever we're feeling is, is wrong, and we just need to feel happy. Right? Anyone else ever been told that? Don't be angry, be happy. Don't be sad, be happy. The interesting part about Psalm 22 is that Jesus quotes it when he's on the cross. If it's wrong for us to say this and feel this way, then that's implying that Jesus himself was wrong and could do something wrong. Does that make sense? If it's wrong for us to feel this way, then Jesus was wrong. And we know that Jesus was perfect, so it can't be wrong for us to feel this way sometimes. Some of you have felt this way for a while, and you've hidden it from others because you're afraid how they'll treat you, how they'll act. And I want you to know that as your new pastor, your new shepherd, that I want to help you to talk about whatever's going on in your life that makes you feel this way so that we can find joy, we can find purpose in it. Does that make sense? Right? Amen. Do not hide your feelings. We need to talk about them. The same guy that wrote, my God, I cry by day and you do not answer, also wrote that the Lord is with us always. So sometimes we feel like God isn't listening to us but we can also acknowledge the fact that he's always with us because our feelings don't dictate reality. He's also the psalmist that wrote in Psalm 22:6, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by all the people. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to go through tough times. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our fate as a follower of Jesus. And I don't know where heaven is physically, but I know who's going to be there. And that's enough for me. I told Catherine uh, when I married her that wherever she is, that's where I want to be. That's where my home is. 
And for all eternity, wherever the Lord is, that's where we will be. Wherever heaven is, is where the Lord is, and I will live there forever. And I want each and every person that I ever come in contact with, I want them to live there forever too. And I know that no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to be with the Lord for, for all eternity, saved by His grace, washed in His blood, and I will dance on the streets of gold that probably won't be pretty, uh, but I will dance on the streets of gold. I have that assurance, right? We just sing blessed assurance that no matter what happens to my earthly body, I will have a new one where I will never die. Uh, there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more pain, no more tears. I believe that Jesus meant it when he said he was preparing a place for me that I get to live with him for all eternity. I live every day knowing that it could be my last and I'm not afraid of the end because I know where I'm going. I know I'm loved by God. I have been buried with him in baptism and I will live with him for all eternity. I am loved, deeply loved by my great, uh, the great high king, my shepherd. But my question is to you is, do you know that? Do you know that? Have you put your faith in the one true God? Have you been baptized into his kingdom? Have you professed your faith publicly? Because maybe you've been attending church for a long time. Maybe you've been attending this church for a long time, but you've never been baptized because you were you know, afraid or you thought people would judge you if they knew you hadn't been baptized. But my question is like, what are you waiting for? Jesus commanded us to be baptized. And if you believe in him, then, then do it. I want each and every one of you to live knowing where you're going when you die. And if you want to talk to someone about putting your faith in Jesus Christ or being baptized into his kingdom, I'd love to talk to you or one of our elders. We have Jeff and, and Ed and uh, Randy is, is at home, but Diane is here. You can talk to Diane on Randy's behalf and Oli. You can talk to any one of us. We would love to talk with you about knowing and following Jesus. We'd love to fill that baptismal up and get a line going in there so we can get people baptized knowing uh, with full assurance that uh, they are going uh, to heaven. I also have a, a Redwood uh, email now. So if you want to email me, it's brian at redwoodchristian.org. Again, B-R-I-A-N, no wise, just eyes. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me or any one of our elders. Uh, that being said, I just I want to share a moment with you because they gave me a microphone and I can do that. Um, <laughs> I need you to know how much I love you. That I, I don't know you yet, but I know the Lord and I know how much He loves you and He's asked me to love you with the same love. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what's happened in your life, what's going on, how I can pray for you. So I don't want you to hesitate like you feel like there's a barrier between us. Yes, I get to come up on this you know, two-foot-high platform and wear a microphone, but there's no barrier between us. I'm not better than anybody. My wife can attest to that. I'm not. And I want you to know how much I love you and I'm excited to go over to your house, to have dinner with you, to hear your stories. My family and I are overfilled with joy and love and we're ready to be living here. We have a house that we've purchased. Not all of you can help us move boxes, you know, but we're thankful for the help that you guys will offer on those days. But I, I want to meet you. I want to have food with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to hear your stories. And I pray that you never feel neglected. The reality is, is that uh, there's a lot of people 
and it might take time for me to get to all of you, and I want you to know that it's not because I'm ignoring you or putting you off, but that uh, right now we still live in Roseburg, so I'm commuting down here every day, and then got to go back home, and my wife just had foot surgery, so I can't leave her alone with the kids because she can't even walk right now, and uh, trying to raise a three-year-old and a two-year-old without being able to walk yourself uh, is, just sounds like hell on earth to me. <laughs> so I, I'm going back every day to make sure that I'm, I'm playing the roles that I need to, to, to be at home while we're in Roseburg, uh, but when we come down here, which we should, at the end of March, we should be moving into our new home, uh, we would love to, to host dinners and Bible studies and, and all of those things. Uh, but right now, we just need a little bit of patience, right? Because we don't, uh, I don't have the time to, to stay down here all night uh, to, to go back home to Roseburg. It's an hour and a half commute to our home. And I know that you guys will be patient with me, so thank you. Thank you for being our forever family because we get to be with each other for all eternity in heaven. Thank you for trusting me. Um, thank you for being patient with my children who are going to be full of chaos. They have, I don't know if you saw them before service, but they have no fear of a stage or instruments, and so uh, they're, they're excited to be here. Our daughter was, she kept asking, she's like, are we going to the, the church? Are we going to church with Evan today? Are we, going, are we going to that church? It's like, yeah. She goes, okay, good. And then like 10 minutes later, are we, are we, going, to, are we, going, to ch- are we going to church this weekend? It's like, yes, we're going to, to the new church this weekend. She's like, okay, good. Are we going, is it a big church or is it, a, she was like so excited. She's just ready to be here and she's only three and I am equally excited to be here. I'm so excited to hang out with you guys. I'm confident that we will grow, that we're going to have the chaos of, of kids running around everywhere. We will be full and uh, as long, this will happen as long as we do it together, Right? If any one of us feels like, well, our voice or our opinions matter more than the other people, then that's, that's, that's what happens. That's when we shrink. But if we can say we are a family and everyone's voice matters and your voice matters as much as mine and so-and-so, then we will grow. So thank you in advance for partnering with me in this endeavor. Uh, we're going to take some time right now to take communion together, uh, but I'm going to pray for us and uh, then we'll do that. So let's pray together. Father, we want to be sheep. We want to acknowledge our role in your kingdom as people who follow you. So God, just help us to be people who are always looking to be led. Help us to be people who are always understanding who we are in your kingdom. And God, we love you. Thank you for bringing us to a place of peace and not to a place of chaos. But God, if we're in the midst of chaos, God, just help us to find you where our our joy, our comfort comes from, and uh, help us not to get swept up in all of the things that we get swept up in. So God, we just ask that you would be our true and mighty and holy shepherd king, and we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.